Good morning, everybody. It is the Monday after the Brazilian Grand Prix, one of the best Grand Prix weekends in a long time that I can remember. Possibly one of the best races of this year, if not the best race of the year. Definitely the best race weekend of the year. And there are so many different storylines on and off the track. I don't even know where to get started, but we're going to get it going. Welcome to the N American F1 podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we're talking the Brazilian Grand Prix race weekend. So let's get to it. The Brazilian Grand Prix race weekend got off to a flying start on Friday, being that it was a sprint race weekend. We had FP1 and then, of course, qualifying. And as we're watching FP1, we see the conditions, we see the weather forecast, and we're set up for what was a mixed condition qualifying, which if there is one of the best things about Formula One racing, it is mixed condition qualifying because it is truly a strategic masterclass. It has everything you could ask for in a qualifying session, and we got it at Brazil. So you're watching qualifying. You know, you get into Q1. You're seeing the times just literally all over the place. It depended on timing, getting on the inters, warming them up the right way. And it was just truly watching it was was crazy. It was it was what you look for with this segmented qualifying, right? This elimination knockout round qualifying. You look for the variety in these different uh, tire strategies and watching the times and these mixed conditions. So Q1 goes and you start to notice there's a car that's looking, even in FP1, they looked pretty handy. And that was the Haas of Kevin Magnussen. So you're keeping an eye on it. You go into Q2, right? We see the Haas move on. Then we get into Q3. And Q3, right? The rain kind of holds off. You see the cars lining up. The first car out, Kevin Magnussen on slicks. Those soft tires. And then you see all the cars behind except Ferrari. Oh, my God. Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari on the Inters. What are they doing? But, yeah, you see these cars line up. And they go out for a flying lap. And who nails that flying lap? Kevin Magnuson gets that Haas in the P1. And then then George Russell has his little off. And now we start to hear the rain coming down. And you see Kevin Magnuson waiting with anticipation. And you're like thinking to yourself, you're like, there's no way this is going to happen. And then, you know, we see Hamilton trying to take an exploratory lap. No go. And the rain starts coming down even more. And you're like, it's going to happen. The Haas F1 team with Kevin Magnussen is going to win pole position for this race. And they did. And it was truly one of the greatest moments, I think, in F1 history. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating. But truly, like, when you think about watching Formula One, right? We watch it. Obviously, for the great drivers, the you know mix of engineering and skill and the effort it takes to produce a fast car. But at the same time, the same time, you do watch it in the hope that you will get these little special moments like we had with Haas Racing. And as you're watching, you could just tell the anticipation. You, you were feeling it on Twitter. You were feeling it by watching the mechanics for Haas F1, watching Kevin Magnussen himself. And when they finally declared that, you know, when, when Q3 ended and 
Kevin Magnuson was on the pole. The celebrations, the jubilation from Haas F1 team just shows you why these drivers come here every race weekend and why these teams put in the effort they do. And it shows you just how much that effort meant to them. They were undoubtedly happy and deservedly so because Haas has been through the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. They've been this team that has struggled. And, you know, for this year even, it's been a, a year of mixed results. And to to just get that pole position, to have that moment in their team history is truly special. And, again, is one of the reasons why we watch these race weekends. It is one of the reasons why. We love these special little moments. And you can think of so many in F1 history and and this was truly one of them and in my opinion one of the greatest moments just of you know a team being truly proud of their accomplishments and and getting that job done and and deservedly so so props to Haas Racing props to Kevin Magnussen just truly an epic accomplishment for a little team that you know under budgeted underfunded looking for sponsors just just truly truly epic and that qualifying session with the mixed conditions i think set up for what was our best sprint race yet and the sprint i know it's controversial understandably so there are ways you can change the sprint but we need more sprints at places like interlagos because it works at interlagos why well one it's an unpredictable track two you have plenty of uh, opportunities for overtaking. And three, I think the fact that this kind of goes with the unpredictability, but the fact that you could have a race that starts in the dry with no rain in the forecast and with a wet race. It, it, it's very possible. And, you know... uh we we almost had it happen in the main race too, and it, it didn't happen in the sprint, but the sprint did provide us with some great wheel-to-wheel legit racing. Sadly for the sprint, it did cause some controversy between teammates. And I mean, if there's a theme this race weekend, it has to be the controversy between teammates. And I'm gonna get into that later, but you know, it started out in the sprint between Fernando and Esteban, you know, nearly taking each other out. Alpine having just a disaster of a sprint race. You know, Fernando and Esteban racing each other hard. And you can kind of tell. I'm going to get into this later. But Fernando's definitely done with Alpine. I mean, we know that. But, like, I think he's done, done. Like, not just physically leaving the team, but mentally, too. Like, you could just tell he he he's over it. He's over it. And, and it's kind of amazing because I've always had this kind of feeling that Esteban and Fernando had a mentor-mentee relationship. But it seems like now that relationship has in some ways broken down. And I don't know. It's kind of disappointing to see because there was so much hype about it last year. But, you know, you got to wonder with Esteban. This isn't the first time Esteban has you know, had his teammate controversies. And of course, with Pierre coming over to Alpine next year, who, you know, Esteban and Pierre don't have the best of relationships either. It's going to be interesting to see. I hope 
Esteban or Pierre. Somebody's got to legitimately be. I mean, it's going to have to be Esteban. He's going to have to be the leader of that team. He's going to have to, you know, maybe. I'm not saying change his driving style, but with your teammates, man, just be a little more courteous, a little more respectful. Because, I mean, he literally not giving Fernando that room, um, you know, kind of that. I mean, you could say Fernando. I think that move on the straight was a little more Fernando's fault with, uh, you know, running into Esteban. But even still, you know, these guys, the way they're racing each other is unbelievable for teammates. And, And then, of course... Lance Stroll, what's going on with him? I mean, the dangerous driving, we saw it at Austin, and now we're seeing it here. I mean, he literally almost punted the same thing that happened with Fernando at Austin. He almost did to Seb here at Brazil, pushed Seb onto the dirt. Just flat-out dangerous, dangerous, dangerous driving. And uh, it was unbelievable to see in that sprint race. But nevertheless, the sprint race... Great racing, great overtaking opportunities. And, of course, as you're watching the sprint race, you see the Silver Arrows, the Mercedes, looking quite quick. And George Russell legitimately, you know, making moves on Max Verstappen. And, you know, by the time the sprint race was over and George Russell wins it, you're thinking to yourself, well, could this be the race weekend that Mercedes does it? Could this genuinely be... The race weekend that lends itself towards the Mercedes car. And that set us up nicely. The sprint race, I think, really did set us up nicely for what would be a spicy Sunday. So, let's get to it. The race itself. Oh, my God. This Brazilian Grand Prix, aside from having everything you could ask for at Brazil undoubtedly was one of the most interesting race weekends. So, all right, we get off to the race weekend, you know, seemingly <laughs> seemingly procedural start until, of course, we have, and, you know, George gets off to a flying start, and you're like, this looks like George race, George's race. George was absolutely flying from the start. And we have our first carnage of the day. With Daniel Ricardo and Kevin Magnuson, and man, you got to feel for Daniel Ricardo. I think he just looked like after, you know, clearly making a an error um, that he shouldn't have. You know, getting into Kevin Magnuson so so early in that race with an unnecessary move, like literally flat out punting Daniel Ricardo, and you got to feel for Kevin Magnuson because. Like we said before, you know, the race weekend up to this point was truly incredible for Haas. And yeah, even though Kevin Magnussen tumbled down the order and who's to say if the Haas really had the pace to gain points? I mean, you know, there were a lot of teams that were undoubtedly faster than the Haas this race weekend. But, you know, just to not even have that chance to get punted like that. And then, you know, in that and he might have been able to carry on, but, you know, his car wheeled back, hits Daniel Ricciardo. You got to feel for the man, and you could tell the just frustration on KMX's face when he got out of the car and just, you know, kind of sat there in the infield a la Fernando Alonso. But, yeah, a little sad for the Haas. And, and Daniel Ricciardo, man, you could just tell he uh, <laughs> he just looked like the shell of a man that he once was. I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, he just had the look of guilt. He knew he messed up. 
He's going to get a five-place grid penalty next uh, race. But, you know, just uh, a really, really unfortunate move and unbelievable to see him just, you know, punt Kevin Magnuson like that in in an era that really was unnecessary. And, you know, this goes back to Mexico, too, where Daniel Ricciardo got into Yuki maybe making a little bit of an aggressive move as well. So... Unbelievable to see from Daniel Ricciardo. Unfortunate that it ruined the Haas' race. But, you know, at least for Daniel, some positive news. He might be going to Red Bull as a reserve driver. So that would be an interesting reunion. And uh, that's going to add to the flames that were created this race weekend as well, which we'll get into in a little bit. But this sets up our first safety car of the day because obviously there was just complete carnage. Let me just take a sip of my quick Dunkin' Donuts coffee here. Too bad I can't get sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. That'd be epic. But uh, truly an American institution. Maybe not. But anyway, getting back into it, that sets up our safety car and one of the most chaotic safety car restarts. I was literally texting one of my buddies. So we have this rule, right? We're in this F1 group chat. And we have this rule. We can't have spoilers in the group chat because one of our buddies records it and watches it a little later. So, you know, I have to do my little side texting. So... We're watching the race. I'm doing my side texting. Try to like comment on the first safety car accident between Magnuson and Daniel Ricardo, And we get that second restart, which, I mean, what was that second race? What was that second uh, restart? We have Max and Lewis coming together. I'll, uh, you know, I, felt, I was getting flashbacks from last year. I was like, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's Silverstone. It's, uh, it's Silverstone. It's Brazil. It's Abu Dhabi. It's... You know, it's uh, Monza last year, right? Like, I'm like, not again. Oh, why is it that when those two, it's always those two. It's like Lewis and Max just find a way to come into each other all the time. They always find a way to, ah, whatever. But nevertheless, Max and Lewis come together. Uh, um, effectively ruins Max's race. And, you know, you want to say who's at fault. The steward said Max. I felt like it was a 50-50 racing incident. It's it's a hard one to judge. You know, I could see why Max did get the blame for the contact as well. Because Lewis did get a nose ahead of him. But it was kind of... It's hard because it was in that sequence of turns right there. And, you know, you want to you wanna say Max is at fault. You maybe should have given a little more of the space. But, I don't know. That was a trick. Or he should have backed out a little, I guess. But... That was kind of a tricky one. Lucky to not. I was amazed that, you know, it looked like a chunk of floor came out from Lewis's car. And I was amazed that that Mercedes still had pace. It it almost reminded me of last year when, uh, was that at, um, at Saudi Arabia last year when Lewis lost part of his front wing and was still able to, you know, have that pace. I was just, I was impressed. And then that kind of ties into the next incident in this sequence of events with Lando and Charles Leclerc, which uh, I think you can tell now Lando and Charles not, well, Charles not really being a big fan of Lando. Uh, Lando, what was with McLaren just taking everybody out of the race? Somehow, I got to say, first of all, this gives you a credit to how strong these nose cones are built. And, you know, Charles Leclerc gets absolutely tagged by Lando. Lando said, you know, Charles went around the outside, took the risky move, which I understand. But at the same point, he was way ahead of him. 
But <laughs> Lando takes out Charles Leclerc. And the way the Ferrari, I guess, went into the barrier was nose first or mostly into the nose. Luckily for Charles Leclerc because any other part of that car hits that barrier, his day is done. But managed to hit it at the right angle and you see him carrying on. I'm like, that was a hard ass hit. And yet he's going to carry on. And by the end of the race, the Ferrari still had good pace. It was truly incredible that Charles Leclerc was able to come back from such a hard hit like that without his car having any major ill effect. I, I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was shocked and surprised that both of those two incidents managed to not really ruin uh, Lewis's or Charles' day. But the race really got interesting too with um with tire strategy it became you know the overcut was it the overcut or undercut it was the overcut uh was particularly no undercut the undercut was particularly effective in this race i mean you could see when those guys were getting on the softs you got that speed uh just look at what fernando alonso was able to do i mean the pitch drop strategies really helped determine the order and it was cool to see some epic drives i mean from fernando alonso coming from behind uh literally like starting at the back of the grid managing to get up to fifth was legitimately for a part of the race a podium contender if you know things went a little differently but you know alonso having some pace valtteri Bottas having some pace uh i don't know what happened in the aston martins i don't know if they bought strategy but they absolutely were like Seb had some good pace as well ended up not getting a point which is really a shame for the Aston Martins to only get one point because I felt like they were stronger than that with pace wise but you know the race started to get very procedural there was you know some strategy mix but George Russell for the most part was in full control of the race and and then we get into this sequence where Lando has his um you know his car shuts down Right, so Lando's car shuts down and basically has a mechanical error, and that's the safety car. And, and, you know, some cars decide to pit, and literally we have this drama now. There were, there was at least, like, three or four different dramas between the teams. And the team that nailed teamwork the best was Mercedes. I mean, hey, when that safety car's going, George asks, are we racing or are we securing the one, too? And... And they said straight up, we're, we're going for the race. We're going, it's, it's, you know, it's racing, but be respectful. And I think Lewis and George really held up their end of the bargain there. It was never really, Lewis never really got close enough anyway, I guess you could say. Um, but they secured the one too. Excellent, amazing win for Mercedes. And I'll get into George Russell at the end, but, and Mercedes a little more. But we have the sequence of events with three or four different teams and to a lesser extent Aston Martin Seb was clearly not happy with the way uh Lance was prioritized I guess or that Seb wasn't prioritized so we had that with you know Seb kind of wanting to you know move up a little position here or there but uh disappointing from Seb you know you could tell that he was disappointed with the way Aston Martin kind of treated that then we get into the Alpines, which I think this kind of harks back to the sprint race, right? You know, uh, Esteban was told to let 
Fernando Drew and and Esteban wasn't exactly uh, kind with that. He was like, no, 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 I want to get Vettel first, and he wanted a race, and basically, uh, you know, not not doing the teammate thing, and kind of shocking to, not really shocking, considering what happened in the sprint race, and again, like I said earlier, that relationship just seems like it is soured in such a, a poor way, and is very disappointing to see in in my opinion it's very disappointing to see that these guys who once had this mentor mentee relationship uh don't really have it anymore and then <laughs> and you know the alpines fernando ends up getting passed anyway and fernando has a stellar drive and not to take away from what lewis hamilton did but truly epic driving from fernando alonso my opinion and i don't think it's my sole opinion I think Fernando could have legitimately been driver of the day. Um, Lewis, yes, no, I don't know. He did have that contact and came back from that. But then again, you could have said he was part of initiating and more of a 50-50 incident, even though Max got the penalty. I don't know. But, and you know, debatable. But <laughs> uh, I don't think maybe Lewis should have gotten driver of the day. I think Fernando was... A little bit better of a candidate for it, but that's okay. It's all right. I'm all right with it. I'm not upset that Lewis got driver of the day by any stretch of the imagination because he had a really solid race weekend and a really solid drive. So props to that for Lewis being driver of the day. Now, our next bit of controversy, maybe not as major, but Ferrari, Charles Leclerc, listen, I get it. The race for second in the championship is close. And, and this is where things really were uh, br- breaking down, right? So, um, really incredible that this Ferrari relationship with uh, Matt, with uh, Charles Leclerc and, you know, trying to ask for the positions, the points, and... and you know, Charles Leclerc keeps asking, you guys got to think of the championship, got to think of the championship. But at the same time, Sainz is, Carlos Sainz is way ahead, right? He's faster. He's in a podium position. You can't, like, listen, I get it. Second place in the championship is important, but Charles Leclerc didn't have the pace. Sainz, even all race weekend long, Sainz was solid. And if you were going to take that away from Sainz at that point in the race, that would have just been, you know, that would have been a shame. And it would have been a disservice to the work Carlos Sainz had done all race weekend long. So really, really um, shocking from Charles to call it a joke. I mean, listen, I get it. Maybe he has his frustrations with Ferrari. And maybe it's just everything from this year relating to strategy finally coming out. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just... I was I was kind of confused by that radio, and, and it just seemed like he was begging, begging. Like, listen, Charlotte, you got to calm down for a little bit. Like, relax. It's okay. It's not that big. I mean, it is a big deal, but, like, it's not there. That opportunity isn't there. Those team orders aren't going to happen in this moment. You, you got to chill a little, right? Like, relax. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I was shocked by it. But, <laughs> but nevertheless... Uh, that was not the biggest teammate controversy, which, okay, getting into it. So a couple of laps before, I forgot exactly what lap number. It was within the last three laps. 
last three or four laps, Christian Horner comes on the radio, tells Max, try to grab points from Fernando Alonso. And and it becomes obvious that Max wasn't going to be able to pass Fernando towards the last lap. So then Christian comes back on the radio saying, all right, Max, you have to hand that position back. Let Sergio Drew hand the position back to Sergio Perez. And in the last lap, it didn't happen. Max did not yield or give up or follow team orders for Sergio Perez, which would have been a big moment for Sergio Perez. Could have So now, like, Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc are level going into this last race for uh, P2 in the World Drivers' Championship. So, where to stand on this, right? So, Max goes back and says, listen... I've told you guys my reasons for not allowing this. Like, you guys understand what's up. Like, I'm, I'm not giving... I'm, I told you why I wouldn't give up the position. We've discussed this before. Now, supposedly this goes back to Monaco. Where, you know, it is believed Perez crashed on purpose in qualifying. Kind of screwing over, you know, uh, Max and others in the process. Say what you want about it. But, uh, I don't know. I think in the situation, 6th and 7th, Max has the championship locked up. And I I think, you know, you, you got to give Sergio at least... Listen, I'm not saying that Sergio is the reason why Max Verstappen has won two championships. But, let's get real. The work Sergio Perez has done to help Max... I think Max could have given him a little bit more credit. Max could have been a little bit more willing to yield. I think that it would have been the proper move to make. And it was really unfortunate. You know, it's not like it's not like they're battling for the championship. It's it's literally Max has it locked up. And I don't know if this is I don't know if it's over. I don't know if it's hey. You owed, you cost me one. I, you know, now I am owed. I paid up. So now it's one to one. We're even. I screwed you. You screwed me. I don't know if that's what they're going to view it as. I don't know if that's the deal. Perhaps it is. But either way, I mean, Max, I don't get it. I don't get the motive behind it. I don't get why they can't get past Monaco. Like, are you really that sore over Monaco? Maybe he is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it was a different point in the championship at that point in Monaco where Sergio Perez was legitimately, you know, contending. Are we going to have, I don't think we're going to have a Nico Lewis situation, are we? I can't picture it, but it's going to make things interesting next year because just. It sounds like Checo's quite better at Max. It sounds like Max isn't exactly happy with Checo. I don't know if they'll talk it over like men, if Red Bull's going to straighten this out, but you can't have this going into next year. You can't have this dynamic, especially if Mercedes is looking as good as Mercedes is. Because I think Mercedes is going to be more competitive next year. Red Bull is already taking a step back because of their penalties incurred from the budget cap expenditure issue. So, 
If you're Red Bull, you got to be legitimately concerned. You don't want to shake up these team dynamics too much. And I'm not saying Checo's owed one. Because Checo doesn't always have the pace to compete at the same level as Max. Max is a thousand percent a better driver. But I think that there could have been some leeway given in this race to Sergio Perez and give him the chance for P2 and the constructors. So now it's going to come down to Abu Dhabi with Leclerc and Perez tied. Don't know what's going to happen. It's going to end up being on, you know, what who has pure pace, who's going to be able to eke out the win over the other. Or not the win, but the, the position over the other. So it was just interesting. And now <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo is supposedly going to join Red Bull as a reserve, which is it's kind of cool to see him back there. But, you know, does that mean his days are numbered? I don't know. Is Christian going to help him find a ride in 24? Remains to be seen. But it will be nice to see Daniel Ricciardo joining the Red Bull camp again. It's kind of like a, you know, a little nostalgia feel. A little, little back. As for all the things, for all this journey Daniel Ricciardo has taken. He's coming right back to home. Where it all started. Where he left. Where he arguably never really should have left. Or my opinion, never really should have left Renault. But maybe leaving Red Bull wasn't the best choice either. But he would have been, again, you know, number two to Max, which now he's going to be number three to Max. But, uh, you know, just an interesting take on, uh, you know, that Daniel Ricciardo journey. But, hey, Mercedes gets the win. George Russell's a Grand Prix winner. Finally, finally gets his first win of the season. An epic race weekend for Mercedes and just really well-deserved from that team, which, you know, we've seen Mercedes struggle this year and you would have never thought that car would have been competing for race wins if you watched from the first race at Bahrain and for them to get this victory I think it's it's a momentum builder and that's why I'm feeling that for going in we'll see what they do at Abu Dhabi but I feel like going into 23 they're going to be a solid team that will contend so we'll see what happens at Abu Dhabi Brazil was a grace a grace a great race weekend as it usually is I was excited. It was a fun race weekend. Again, one of the best that I've seen in a long time. Looking forward to Abu Dhabi. I'll check in with you guys on Thursday or Friday. Who knows, maybe Saturday the way I've been with this sometimes. But check in with you later in the week. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at AmericanF1 or at F1Idiots. And follow our website, www.f1idiots.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you guys later in the week.